God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. He must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I'm joined by Leonor Cravota. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. So, you know, um, you've been following all that's going on. Can you believe what's happening in Martha's Vineyard? Uh, I, I, I'm shocked. I mean, uh, it's amazing because, you know... Uh, you have these people who talk all the time about diversity, who talk all the time about uh, how we should embrace everybody. But we've seen this over and over again. It's not in my backyard. And so you have all these people showing up in Martha's Vineyard and uh, nobody wants to see them. It's It really, truly is the ultimate white boys club that it's always been. And it's not going to change. And, you know, and it doesn't matter how big a house Barack Obama has there. And, you know, this goes back to... Great tent city. That would be great for a tent city. Better than San Francisco. Exactly. There's more space. You know, you don't have to deal with a lot of traffic. There's a, there's a, lot, of, there's a lot of benefits. But my point in saying this is that you have somebody who's an African-American like Barack Obama wanting to live in a black community and part of the excuse me wanting to live in a white community and part of the reason why he wants to live in a white community is he wants that elitism and the only um people of color who are going to live there are going to be people of prestige money or influence it's not it's going to be you know it's going to be corporate executives um, politicians entertainers it's not going to be the diverse community that we keep talking about oh and by the way it's diverse in terms of it's not going to be the diverse community of any race there aren't going to be any diverse white people there either so and that's what he's espousing (laughs) and the elites espouse we talk about this all the time well, Gavin Newsom is basically trying to get the U.S. Department of Justice to crack down on Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis. And, you know, I, I love what they've done because they've shine a, shown a spotlight on it and the hypocrisy associated with it. A couple of things there. Gavin Newsom's calling on the uh, USD, DOJ 
to uh, get them for kidnapping. Kidnapping, yeah. That's, <laughs> that, that's something else. And you know what I think, too, is going on here with Gavin Newsom? Particularly uh, the, the dialogue and the war between Newsom and DeSantis as I think they're gearing up for a, a presidential, presidential race where you've got the governors of the two most beautiful states in the country, or most beautiful in terms of great weather, states in the country going against each other. So it's going to be the warm weather, the warm weather Republican and the warm weather Democrat against each other. Yeah. So the Bradford Vrile writes, so let me get this straight. Biden can secretly fly thousands of illegal immigrants all over the country in the dead of night. But Ron DeSantis can't fly 50 up north to vacation with Barack. Yeah. Think about it. And, you know, I've seen um, uh, Ben Shapiro and uh, so many others, uh, Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, do their campus talks yeah. all around the country and all this uh, wokeism where yeah. the college students say, you know, I think we need to give more reparations. I think we need to give more aid. I think we need to give more to Ukraine. I think we need to give more to Black Lives Matter, more to this, more to that. And they say, okay, um, so you think that reparations, we, we need to give more to reparations. Mark Dice has also done this. And they say, okay, here, there's a black person walking down the street right here. Uh, you want, can you give me $20? Can you give $20 to that black person? Yeah. Right now? Oh, well, I don't have $20. I don't have $20. I don't have $20. Uh, you know, I, we can't afford it uh, here. And, um, and so the, the thing is, is that it's virtue signaling. And it's also advocating for something that's going to come out of somebody else's pocketbook, whether it's student loan forgiveness or... Uh, anything, whether it was Planned Parenthood funding, um, it was always money going to the Democrats that was coming out of the Republicans' right. po- uh, pocketbook. Because Democrats have always been smart enough to get money from the central bank, from the central taxpaying base, and give it to one uh, entity, which is very divisive in America. Talk about trying to unify the country, right? Of course, we know that's not. The case we know that this was a burglary of America. We know that this was a smash and grab, Venezuela style uh, coup that to overtake America. And right now, there's no hiding it. You know, we we we're sitting around here talking about the obvious, but the fact of the matter is, they know it's obvious too. That they're not stupid. They're in control. They're in power. They were smart enough to to outsmart our Republicans. They weren't smart enough to really outsmart Trump. Trump was just simply outgunned. But when it comes to uh, the head of the RNC, what's her name? Rona McDaniel. Rona McDaniel and uh, Kevin McCarthy and and uh, Mitch McConnell. These are all people that are actually rolling over like floor rugs or, or doormats and just allowing the Democrat because they know they're going to profit from it. And this whole thing about rhinos... Uh, this whole restoration of, you know, they're trying to restore the rhinos back into the, because what they were playing before was sort of like a game of volley, you know, pop, 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 you know, hitting the ball back and forth. Everybody can hit the ball. And then Trump camp comes in and does a, basically a squash, a slam, a slam, you know, doesn't play by the rules. It's like, why are we playing tit for tat here? Why? Why is not? Why? Why? Why aren't anybody winning? Mm-hmm. Why are we not winning? Why are we not playing to win? 
Yeah. And that's what America First is all about. It's about America saying we we're here and we're here to win. We're yeah. here to play, and we we uh, uh, look at these deals as very unfriendly to uh, America. And um, you know what's interesting is you take a listen to this lady here. This is classic, quintessential, perfect. It just sums it up. This is uh, one of the civic leaders. In Martha's Vineyard, don't know her name, don't care, doesn't really matter. But she's got this little blonde perm. She's, uh, you know, probably in her 50s. She's all about helping the poor, except for when they come to Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard, where they have all these estates with all these lawns. You could set up tent cities. And it got me to thinking when we're we're going about to hear this clip, but it got me to thinking also, Leonor. We yeah. you and I were talking about this off air. Is um, Brownsville or um, El Paso? They've made it a cottage business, and so a lot of these businesses, particularly the liberal ones along the southern border, have looked at this as um, <clears throat> like a like a uh, basically a a vacation spot. Sort of like all these migrants that are coming across, they have to buy toilet paper, they have to buy food, they have to buy this, they have to buy that. And they've been given money through Catholic charities by way of uh, HHS and by way of the Democrat Party. They're given money, they're given a phone, they're given all kinds of stuff. And these business, these border towns have set up a cottage business. Mm-hmm. To to find to to flourish off of this, so they could look at their GDP, and some of these liberal mayors are saying this is good for this is good for the tax paying base. Absolutely, because the sales tax are way up because all these people, as poor as they might be, are still having to buy Twinkies, you know, or hot dogs or something like that. So they're coming up and they're buying all this stuff, stimulating the economy, putting people to work. They look at it like that, and say, not too bad. But guess what? Martha's Vineyard's not built that way. Martha's Vineyard is, doesn't want Catholic charities in their backyard. They don't Just want like, social services organizations. You know, in Philadelphia, I used to feed the homeless. And one of the things that happened was we used to set up on along Front Street, along the Delaware River. And some of the more expensive properties were over on that east side. And um, lo and behold, anonymously, I guess it was, <clears throat> they... They got together and they said no more homeless. There were 60 to 80, almost 100 people would show up. We'd give them bags and soup in a styrofoam cup, a banana, and a bunch of other things. They showed up every Tuesday, every Thursday, and it would last for about an hour. And uh, the community said no more. And And we had to move our spot. Well, what has happened with a lot of those, particularly in Philadelphia and other large cities, is they moved them inside because of those very reactions. Yeah. They put them inside the churches or inside yeah, the community. Yeah, this was so, affiliated with the church. Yeah. And um, and so they, they used to call it Care Walk. And uh, it was a great, great thing. And then after uh, all those people were fed, if we had any leftovers, we would walk through the um, old city and uh, Society Hill and there would be wherever there was people laying on a bench that didn't make it out, we would give them a bag of food. 
But that's because the elite don't want people to notice the poor people hanging all around them, you know. And that and that and that's and that's what that's about. It's a, it's not it's not in my backyard. That's exactly what but they're saying. Two things come to mind when we look at Obama's Martha's Vineyard estate, which is twelve million dollars. Not only is it sea level, and he's right next to the water with a big, huge acres and acres of lawn, where people could set up tent cities instead of in front of Union Station in D.C. Where you and I, when we take a train to New York, have to have to pass through that yeah. garbage. Yeah. Um, not on Martha's Vineyard. No, they could do it easily there. But here's this woman saying, "We can't do it." So, what are the most difficult challenges right now? The difficult challenges are uh, we have to, at some point in time they have to move somewhere else. Right. We, we cannot, we don't have the services to take care of 50 immigrants, um, and we, we certainly don't have housing. We're in a housing crisis as we are on this island, and so we, <laughs> we don't, we can't house everyone here that lives here and works here. We don't have housing for 50 more people. We don't have room for commoners. Uh, uh, let, let's translate this. <laughs> housing crisis means that there there isn't affordable housing there for the people who are employed there in the restaurants and right. uh, stores. And it also means that uh, you know there there's a limited inventory of the uh, the nice places for the people who can't afford it. And then finally, it also means we don't want these people here. And, you know, when we were talking about social services, they don't want to have that those wraparound social services, including uh, housing, mental health, et cetera. All they want is access or relatively easy access to a hospital in case somebody falls off of their bicycle. That's all they want there. We were just out on Rodeo Drive and we saw the same thing. The people working the stores couldn't afford to even have lunch in well, their where, where they work yeah and, and you know the funny thing about it was i actually think i hadn't been in beverly hills in a long time i actually think it had improved a little bit and i think part of the reason why it improved a little bit is because there was a lot of tourism push to get people who ordinarily wouldn't go there you know but as a result remember, of mo- movies like pretty woman etc remember when we were in venice and uh we passed there was these fifteen hundred dollar pants and we this is Venice. Look. This is Venice, Italy. Not oh. to be confused with Venice oh, right. Beach in California. Right. Yeah, no. Okay, so we were in Venice, Italy, and the one takeaway I had, I had a lot of takeaways from that trip. Uh, it really inspired my thought processes with regard to uh, the missing middle class that I noticed uh, while I was on a train in Italy, and uh, it was a very profound moment. And I shared it with our audience on the uh, uh, on this show, um, and it really started to really make more sense as I evolved with that thought process and and you know um, how do you say massage it and marinate it, it. that's marinate the word I it. usually and let as it, it marinate <laughs> let it permeate yeah. as it marinated you know I really got to, to, to associate that with globalism socialism and it is true that with every major city where it's super expensive there's no middle class and that every major city where the, the crime is up where inflation is up, where the cost of living um, is impossible. Uh, it's it's always run by a liberal, number one. Uh, they set up these policies to separate. And I always remind people, the Democrat Party's always been about segregation. George Wallace was the governor of Alabama who stood in the front doorway and blocked those black children from integrating into schools back in the 60s, right? Yeah. Jefferson Davis fought Abraham Lincoln to 
to maintain slavery instead of abolish slavery. Mm-hmm. It was Abraham Lincoln, the first Republican, that wrote the Emancipation Proclamation. It's the Republicans back in that time that uh, signed and voted for the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. Um, it was the Ku Klux Klan that was started by the Democrats. It was Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger's eugenics. Yes. That was, and it was Hitler that wanted only the white Aryan race. These were all socialists. These were all liberals. These were all Klaus Schwab sort of people. And these liberal elites. And the one great thing you could say about the Founding Fathers is even though some of them were liberal um, and they owned slaves, or even perhaps they weren't liberal, but they, were, they owned slaves, Jefferson comes to mind. He owned slaves because that was the thing to do at the time. That was the way it was done. And it wasn't always shackles and whips. It was it was oftentimes black people couldn't get a job anywhere. Yeah. And they were working for room and board. Yeah. But um, the thing is, is when he wrote the document, he understood that all men are created equal. Yes. And um, so, you know, when you take a listen to this woman right here, listen, listen again, how she stutters, stutters because she can't come up with a good excuse. She cannot come up with a good excuse about why it is that they can't do it. Because you're looking at a picture with about, I don't know how many acres of land, but tons of acres of land right along the front sea properties where the the Obamas could come out and serve them tea or whatever they want to do. But they don't want anything to do with these migrants, uh, these actual illegals. And, you know, people need to stop calling them immigrants because they're not immigrants. They're illegals. They're migrating. They're here illegally. And they know they're and, here illegally. And the thing about it is they shouldn't even be here to be put on an airplane. They shouldn't even be here. But President Joe Biden is telling them it's okay. Yeah. That's what's going That's on. It. And they know they're illegal, but they're doing it anyway. So, What are the most difficult challenges? Right here. The difficult challenges are... Uh, 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 we have, at some point in time, they have to move. Yeah. She, uh, she couldn't even think. The, the most difficult challenges are uh, 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 so they're just going to have to go. They're just, well, right? That's, that's what be- she said. That's because we she, can't do it. That's because she's saying the uncomfortable thing that they don't want to admit that they're that they're that we are a society that has classes in it. There is a class structure in our society, yeah. and and you know, and it's hypocritical because they go around saying everybody sounds is equal. Little, sounds a little like KJP. They're calling her KJP. Uh, that's the new name for her. I prefer calling her Corrine Jean-Pierre. <laughs> but does the White House stand by those comments that the border is secure? What we stand by is that we are doing everything that we can uh, to make sure that um, uh, that we follow the process that's been process. Forth. That, that's why we. Hey, have- what's a process? What's a process? I have no idea what's a process. But they use these vague terms to complete sentences. Yes. What's this? Does the White House stand by those comments that the border is secure? What we stand by is that we are doing everything that we can uh, to make sure that um, uh, that we follow the process that's been put forth. That, that's why we have uh, historic funding uh, to do just that, to make sure that, um, uh, you know, uh, um, 
to make sure that um, to make sure that uh, the folks that we encounter at the border be removed. Did you hear that? So they got all this funding to pay off politicians down along the border to yeah. comply with their open border policy. See, yeah. you're going to comply. Well, what's in it for me? Well, uh, we're going to give you all kinds of HHS funding, right, mm-hmm. to comply, to basically shut your mouth and open the border, Yeah. right? That's what they're doing. Yeah. And as soon as she, she made a mistake here, listen. We follow the process that's been put forth. That's why we have uh, historic funding uh, to do just that. Historic funding to do just that? To make sure that... um, And that's where she made the mistake. Yeah. To make sure that. As soon as she said to make sure that. Okay, so what's the funding to do? So historic funding, easy. We got that. Because the money just grows on trees in America because the middle class taxpayers are funding everything. Right. So is to do just what? And as soon as she says to do that, right here, she, she, she couldn't think of the words, what is the money actually going to do to open the border? But she had to come up with a lie, and that's what it was. Do just that to make sure that... Um, to uh, make sure that... Know, um, uh, um, trap. Uh, to make sure that... Um, Uh-oh. Uh, Uh-oh. To make sure that uh, uh, the folks that we encounter at the border be removed. Uh, or expelled. Whoops. But removed or expelled. Okay. Okay. Removed or expelled. Okay. That's that's great. That's rich. That's absolutely rich. Um, because we got a guy on tape here. Great tape. And uh, here he is. Boom. And Vice President Harris uh, said that the border is closed. Is the border closed? Do you believe that the border is closed or is it open? This is one of the people that was dropped off in front of Kamala Harris's house in Washington, D.C. Let's take a listen again. And Vice President Harris uh, said that the border is closed. Is the border closed? Do you believe that the border is closed or is it open? It's open, not closed. The border is open, not closed. The border is open. Do you believe that all the migrants believe that the border is open? Yeah, everybody believes that the border is open. It's open because we enter. We come in free. No problem. And, and But it's open for you to come illegally, right? Illegally, yes, illegally. That's true. And you came illegally? Yeah, we came illegally, not legal. And vice versa. Couldn't make that any more clear, could he? <laughs> no, he couldn't. He couldn't. No, I, I actually had seen that interview, and that was what I was thinking about when we were first speaking. Because you have this gentleman here who is clearly admitting that he came illegally, and he's also saying, yeah, it's wide open. It's I wide mean, open. There, there's not even illi- a pretense. Illegally, not legal. Illegal. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And then Jean-Pierre is saying the exact opposite, right? Yeah. What is that? That does not make any sense. Does that make any sense? No, She's it does just lying not. through her teeth. So their chest here we go. Trump was president, saying they were so proud to be sanctuary jurisdictions, saying how bad it was to have a secure Ron border. The minute even a small fraction of what those border towns deal with every day is brought to their front door, they all of a sudden go berserk and they're so upset that this is happening and it just shows you you know their virtue signaling is a fraud okay they they are supporting policies that are just frankly indefensible it is not defensible 
for a superpower to not have any control over the territory of its country, over the borders of its country. And he inherited a situation where you didn't have this happening. And yes, we needed to build the wall. There was more that we needed to do. He reversed the Trump policies, knowing what would end up happening. And you know, one of the reasons why we want to transport because we obviously it's expensive if people are coming here. You got to it taxes social services and all these other things. Wow. Okay, so that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Sure. What's not making sense are the people that waged a coup against our country yeah. and are ramming these impossible to believe things down your throat. Yeah. And what what also is impossible to believe is the fact that there is an AP poll that uh, I the, the AP poll says this Biden approval rebounded nearly ten points from July to September per the new A Associated Press NORC poll NORC poll and I said in response to that this AP poll obviously is dominated by liberals who enjoys seeing Mar-a-Lago raided by a tyrannical dictator and his FBI Stasi police. You know, the only reason why that poll could have mm-hmm. ever gone up is if it was heavily weighted and yeah. skewed left. That's the only way that they could yeah. because the polarization, the, la- the divisiveness of everything that's happened, the nonsense of everything that's happened, the hypocrisy of everything that's happened, his polls should be down, you know, zero among conservatives. There's not one conservative alive. So it must be that would support this. But it must be that the Associated Press NORC poll is skewed and heavily weighted left. So the fact that it's still not great numbers for Joe Biden, I think we cannot believe what we're hearing about these polls and the projections for the midterm. I don't believe we can believe those. It says support for Biden recovered from a low of 36% in July to 45% driven in large part by a rebound in support from Democrats just two months before the November midterm elections. That's the Associated Press right there. Now, 45% is still not 50%. Yeah. Yeah. That's still low. It's still low. But... That just tells me that what's happening with this Associated Press poll, because there's not a person alive that isn't hard left that would appreciate what Joe Biden's uh-huh. doing. Just like, you know, I wouldn't, uh, I would not appreciate uh, Trump using the FBI mm-hmm. to raid every yeah. one of his political adversaries. Yeah. I mean... And then, you know, obviously, Hunter Biden, yes, mm-hmm. he, he deserves to be raided. Yeah. Hillary Clinton deserves to be raided because she perpetrated the Russian hoax. We now know that the Russian hoax was, in fact, a hoax, but we know that. But and we've actually now known that for years. We also know that the same people that were behind the Russian hoax uh, were behind er- everything else in between. I mean, there's so many things. The... Uh, you know the uh, I have this meme here. It says, <clears throat> "This is true for the climate hoax, globalism, mRNA, so-called COVID vaccines, 
corrupt FBI, CDC, DHS, corrupt IRS, Lois Lerner, right? Mm -hmm. Department of Education, um, what's her name? Weinberg or whatever? Uh, Randy Weinberg. She's not the Department of Education. I know she isn't. She's head of the American Federation of Teachers, and she's been in that role for God knows how long. But she's she's the puppet master to the Department of Ed. Well, exactly. And open borders, right? So the same people that support all this. When someone asks you why I don't support Ukraine, where we're giving them another $600 million this week. We yeah. gave them $2 billion last yeah. week. Yeah. This is nothing but a laundering scheme in Ukraine. Nothing but laundering, folks. But God nothing. forbid But God forbid you say that. People think you're not sensitive to the Ukrainian people, which is not exactly the same no, thing. No, it's nothing but laundering. And now we're taking this act from Ukraine to Taiwan because the Pelosi family went over to Taiwan in the 1st of August, August 2nd and 3rd, and Paul Pelosi Jr. sat at meetings, just like Hunter Biden sat with, on Air Force Two and went over to China with Daddy Joe, big, the big guy, and came out with billions of dollars in, in, in uh, deals and investments. And, um, and the same thing is true now with Taiwan. It didn't take them a month and a half to appropriate $2 billion to be sent to Taiwan on behalf of Nancy Pelosi, and now Pelosi's getting in on it. Basically, she's in on it with Ukraine. She's in on it with Taiwan, but Taiwan is her baby. She insisted on going to Taiwan, despite the fact that it was going to escalate. um, It could potentially escalate World War III. She didn't care. Well, Paul Pelosi Sr. was in court for wrecking his Porsche, driving drunk, high on cocaine, and she's over there with the deadbeat son, Paul Pelosi Jr., who is also involved in Ukrainian oil deals and gas deals. And she went over there to Ukraine with Nancy Pelosi. The Bidens and the Pelosi's are in on it. The, the Democrats are so corrupt. It says, when someone asks why I don't support Ukraine, well, Bush supports Ukraine. The IRGC supports Ukraine. Kerry, John Kerry supports Ukraine. Joe Biden supports Ukraine. George Soros supports Ukraine. Nancy Pelosi supports Ukraine. Hillary Clinton supports Ukraine. Barack Obama, Emmanuel Macron, Justin Trudeau, the CIA, Romney, Mitt Romney, Hollywood, all of Hollywood. Uh, Marie Abramovich um, support Ukraine. Hey, Guess what? The fact checkers support Ukraine. No right? surprise there. The media supports Ukraine. The media supports Ukraine. The media supports Ukraine. It says that three times, actually. It's kind of funny. Um, and uh, that is the reason why I think it is kind of important that you don't support Ukraine. You don't want to be on the side of tyrannical people that support the worst of the worst in this world. And that brings me to our our next uh, clip. Um, well, there's so many, but I want to play this one here. Uh, this is about kind of like globalism. We are all in an abusive, controlling, destructive relationship with our government. How far will they go? There is no boundary they won't cross and no depth to which they won't sink. It's an attempted scorched earth. I said it's not just Trump. Although Trump slowed 
them down with his America First agenda and by shining a spotlight on them at NATO, at G7, and the UN. We have all those clips. Yeah. His great UN speech when he said to Germany, pay your bills in NATO. With the G7 when he said, let's bring Russia in and make it G8 again. Um, we would have had more leverage over Russia if we brought them in to the fold. Yeah. Um, but no, they didn't listen to him. Yeah. And now we're at war with Ukraine. We're on the precipice of World War Three against Russia. Russia and China are more united today than ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, the politics of people like King Charles now scares the crap out of me. And they have more power than they ever had in the wake of COVID, which they exploited completely. We're going to play a clip about the big lie associated with COVID here in just a moment. But now, uh, their vengeful globalism is at the root of this worldwide domino effect of tyranny. We are in a war between good and evil. I say vengeful because people around the world who are globalists, not the conservative nations like Hungary or Poland, they love Trump. Yeah. Not like Israel's and Netanyahu's Israel. They all love Trump. Absolutely. But it was all the other countries, Justin Trudeau and Boris Johnson and Emmanuel Macron sat in a circle and laughed about Trump, how preposterous he was, how out of touch he was, because he pulled out of the Paris Accord or TPP or you know these globalist deals. But Trump got more done. You look at the Abraham Accords. And so all I'm saying is, is that they came back with a vengeance and they started this COVID-19 business. And let's take a listen to this. This is amazing. Just thinking about the reality of how far these globalists are prepared to go with their plan. The analogy has been given that we're in an abusive relationship with our government. Uh, they dictate, they control, they dominate, they punish, they humiliate, they pressure, they limit, they restrict. They confuse. They don't bring happiness. They just give grief after grief after grief. It's an abusive relationship that we've been in with our governments for a very long time, but it's really been highlighted over the last almost two and a half to three years now. So how far are they prepared to go? There's different levels of control. There's different levels of abuse. And the ultimate abuse is to kill the partner and destroy everything. And I do believe that there's a scorched earth, burning bridges approach being taken right now by our governments to make sure that even if their plan was to fall through, the globalist plan was to fall through, they're burning bridges and scorching the earth to make sure that we cannot go back to the way things used to be. Think about the closures of so many businesses, then turning them into residential apartments or complexes. The culling of millions upon millions of animals. Closing certain types of power stations down and not just closing them, but destroying them. It's like the abusive partner that says, well, if I can't have you and control you, no one else will. If I can't control you, no one will. If I can't have you, no one will. 
and they take the ultimate steps and do away with that partner and possibly the family too before setting fire to the house and maybe bringing it all down in their own heads. There is no limit to which they will not pass and there is no depth to which they will not sink. That is the adversary which we face and we must deal with them accordingly. And when he says fierce, he means face. <laughs> yeah, well, don't make fun of his accent. That's no. not nice. No, I love his accent. <laughs> but no, th- this is what I've been saying all yeah. the time. Is we're facing, we're in, a, we're in a world war with globalism. Yeah. And I, I think half of our country doesn't even realize this. How serious and how dire. When he said shutting down businesses, he's talking about mom and pop businesses. Mm-hmm. But the multinational corporations are going to rule the world and fill the right. void. That's number one. And number two, when he says turning them into condominiums or apartment complexes, then all the people living there, if the businesses are shut down, where are they going to work? No, they're going to live. They're they're going to give them free housing. They're going to trap you in. It's sort of like putting cheese in a mousetrap or setting out a roach motel. Mm-hmm. Right, and you put it out there, and the roaches say, "Yummy! That's a perfect space for me. I'm going to walk into that." They're never going to walk out. Roaches walk in, but they never walk out. Yeah. Remember the ad? Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like that. It's like that fly trap. I mean, you know, where you have that fly tape. It's like, oh, that's honey on that fly tap. Yeah. Boom! They're stuck forever, and that's just it. It's a trap. They're treating us like we're roaches. And they want us to eat crickets. They want us to eat ourselves. And what's happening is they want to trap us into these living conditions with no prospects for for employment. Mm -hmm. And then we grow dependent on them. It's it's obvious what's happening. Just thinking of it's right there in front of us. And we have to we have to be careful about this. Um, it says here inflation is hitting dem run cities hardest. The Phoenix, and with Phoenix suffering thirteen percent rises, rise in prices, they cited Phoenix as the worst case scenario. I think that Arizona is one of the most liberal I didn't realize places. that Arizona was as liberal, okay. and I think there's been a shift in recent yeah. years. Talk about that. Where do we see more mask wearing yeah, and coming, virtue signaling? Coming back from our trip, I, we, we, flew, we, uh, we connected through Phoenix on the way back, and we, there were tons of people wearing masks in the Phoenix airport, where we were for a while because we had a layover. In contrast to when we were in L.A., I actually did not see a lot of them. I have a piece, which I probably have mentioned before, that's on spectator.org under my name about how uh, you, my first name goes, Search Leonora, about how um, L.A., you know, reports of uh, L.A.'s or Hollywood's death have been greatly exaggerated. There was very little virtue signaling in L.A., I saw, whereas in Phoenix, we saw a ton of it. 
So I was actually very surprised because I've been, you know, socialized to believe that, you know, that California, the city of angels is, uh, you know, liberalism on fire. Whereas you've got um, Phoenix, which has, or Arizona, the state, yeah. which has been traditionally more Republican. So it was actually a surprising contrast, which only leads me to believe that the place that sometimes the places that we've thought were Republican are increasingly more Democrat. Yeah. And the places we thought were liberal maybe have more conservatives there than we thought. McCain did a number on Arizona. Well, that's true too, and he wasn't helpful to the Republican Party. Oh, absolutely. So. Now he was a he was a liberal from Oregon that went to uh, Naval Academy, uh, finished at the bottom of his class, married into a billionaireist, and uh, and decided he was going to run for office. And he knew that in Barry Goldwater days, uh, you were looking at a completely different uh, situation. Um, you know, with regard to politics, he had to run as a conservative in order to get elected. Yeah. So that was just it. We got John on the air uh, from uh, Chicagoland. John, welcome to the Scott Adams Show. Good morning, Scott and Leonora. Nice to hear your voices. You Likewise, too. yeah. Uh, you know, I you just I was going to come on and comment on something else. But you mentioned uh, Phoenix. I, I don't think it's all that. Um, liberal yet, although I I do it, obviously we've noticed their their elections tipping more leftward over the last ten twenty years. And one thing I can think of is yes, you have uh, illegal immigration and, and some of those people you know voting say sixty seventy percent Democratic or more. Although hopefully that shifts uh, with the Latino population this this election like it did in Texas. But I'm wondering if some of the more liberal uh, Angelinos and Californians have moved to, say, Arizona, as opposed to Idaho or Montana. And maybe that's what you're getting. You're just getting well, some of the more liberal I think that, uh, Angelinos. I think that Idaho is becoming more liberal. I mean, it's you know, it's no wonder. It's it's is it any wonder that Montana has a a uh, I think it's a Democrat um, senator there. Good. John Tester. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I, yeah, so, they I mean, were always, you know, it's hard well, to they could go, but they, yeah, they made Max Baucus for years. Um, I think he was a Democratic senator. I, you know, and they, they would play like they're more center, you know, center. Frank Church was a Democratic uh, congressman from oh, and that, let's not the forget CIA investigation Claire, in the 70s. Yeah. Let's not forget Claire McCaskill won Missouri, uh, you know, a while, about, you know, 15 years ago. But these states are vulnerable and the Democrats are trying to get. Uh, these imports um, into these states. I think that they're right. training, you know, planning them and busing them and training them all, you know, all over the United States where they feel they need Democrats. I think that that might backfire on them though, because Hispanics, they're hating the Democrats these days. They're making fun of them. Yeah. I mean, I, I think with the California though, the people moving away pretty much any of the, well, you're going to have a more conservative element that probably goes to the uh, north, to Montana, Idaho. I'm, I'm suspecting, maybe, I, I, and that might be simply. Um, it, it, and although to some extent, when Californians move in, they're almost always going to be more of the left or more moderate, right? No matter what stripe they are, uh, than the uh, the local voters are. That's the only thing I can think of. But uh, I, I have noticed that trend politically as well. You know, when you're talking about the abused spouse situation, if I may just jump to that. <laughs> Darren Beatty from uh, the Revolver News, the guy who runs Revolver News, uh, you know, sort of published something on this the other day, talking about that we don't have any, don't feel any obligation to this government, like an abused spouse, so to speak. Um, and 
whereas some people will you know respond like the abused spouse my country right or wrong i think what also happens some leave and some become sort of uh, become lose their allegiance to that spouse and that's a very dangerous situation for a country it reminds me of that situation remember the godfather where michael announces at the dinner table they're having lunch or whatever on a Sunday, and he announces he's going to join the military for World War II. And what does Sonny say? That you're a sap. Only a sap goes to fight for other people. And right. that that sort of that criminal mafia mentality uh, is is one which says, "Hey, you take what you can from the system. Yeah. You don't give back. You don't sacrifice for the system." And that's you, know, you see that across most criminal uh, organizations. And, and, and frankly, you know, some of the immigrant groups come in and, yeah, just, you know, we play as a clan and then we take advantage of that societal trust, which is a very bad situation. Which is why you need to, you have to, if you're going to bring them in, you got to integrate them and slowly. But when it spreads like that, and I think it is spreading, I, I know just in my own mind, I feel more like that where, you know, I'm not going to, you know, give these people anything more than I have to. So right. Meaning the well, government or them. Well, and to that and to that point, John, um, there's a lot of calls for like if the FBI comes to your door and wants to ask you some questions, call your lawyer and don't answer anything. Like, don't cooperate with the FBI anymore. They're the enemy of the people. So that's just the way it is. Well, and, well, and, then, and then we're we're we're, we're going to have. And then after your final point, we're going to have to wrap it up because I have a couple of other things I have to cover today. But okay, go ahead. Oh, I'll say one more thing. WF, look, all the right people, a.k.a. all the wrong people, are on that other side. I've said it to you from the beginning. Look who's on the other side of that, and you know that there's something to the Russians' claim. And it really, in, in one level, it is a globalism versus a nationalism issue. Zelensky said to the World Economic Forum, in the last couple of years, let us be an example of the World Economic Forum, of your program. He has done that. And the Klitschko's also have said, we are himself. we are the European Union. We are part of it. Like the Klitschko's and Zelensky are all part of the globalist movement. Well, exactly. And that's why, because they see Russia as reasserting its nationalism, its Christianity, and its sense of self. That's why so many of the wrong people, the usual suspects, the also the need in this country who have mm-hmm. a bone to pick, and you can look this up, they have a bone to pick with Russia historically, and they are driving this process, and so many people just kind of blindly go along with it, or they well, don't yeah, like but this, it. This but goes back to the Obama days when Lindsey Graham was trashing Russia unnecessarily over the conflict in Syria because it was infringing on his ability to make money uh, off, of the, off of that whole crisis that was created by the globalists. Uh, to get the refugees oh, and to plant the oil pipelines from Iraq into Europe. Yeah, well, this has been 10 years, and the Russians upset that when they got involved in the 2015, 2016, 2017. Well, the oil yeah, coming up from Iraq was a that. conflict to Russia and their better interests. You, you see what I mean? Uh-huh. So, And Lindsey Graham yeah. was on the side of procuring ISIS to be the mercenaries to protect the oil pipelines going into Europe. And Lindsey Graham, John McCain, they were all about securing that. And they were getting weapons and uh, out of uh, Ukraine to arm ISIS rebels well, securing sounds, the pipeline. That sounds like a great idea. 
Yeah. <laughs> what a great idea. Yeah. On that note, I'll, I'll bid you a good weekend. All right. Same to you. Thank you so much for calling in. Take care. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Um, so I got this clip I want to play uh, talking about globalist, globalist lies, right? Let's take a listen to this guy about COVID. This is going to be unbelievable. This guy's name's Dr. Paul Alexander. He's epidemiologist and researcher at drpaulalexander.com. So I asked him, I said, so Dr. Redfield, can you tell me, can I, Dr. Can Redfield I get an example of the science at the time. studies that the CDC um, used to make that social distancing six feet, etc.? And uh, he had come to our office to have a discussion with a couple of my bosses. And I was there in part of the meetings. So I was walking with him after the, the, the meeting. And um, he looked at me in a, in a and, and we got along well. And he chuckled and he said, Paul, science, this, this is para, what he said, science. Uh, there was no science. We made it up. And I was stunned. I stood there and I looked and said, Dr. Redford, what do you mean made it up? And like, I was laughing. And he said, well, you know, some people talk 12 feet, some said nine, some said one, some countries talked about three feet. It looked like six feet would have worked. And uh, so we went with six feet. And um, when I started to share this information that I was so stunned and I couldn't understand how the United States, we made a six feet policy that businesses closed forever because of the six feet policy. People couldn't hold on in their businesses to have six feet between the 12 chairs that they had in their restaurant, they had to close. And those, some of those business owners self-harmed. We knew because the data was coming from the states up to our office at the HHS first before we wound it up to the White House. And I can tell you, they have business owners that committed suicide because of that six-feet rule. It eventually destroyed their lives and their livelihood. And the reality about it, even Scott Gottlieb, I believe, that I believe I heard him say that once in a press release recently, more recently, that the six feet rule was arbitrary and just made up. So I was vindicated because that was the fact. And it's really shocking that the CDC, et cetera, made policy like that, that affected the lives. It was not based on science. When Dr. Walensky came on the news last week, week before, and stated that, you know, CDC, we've made... Um, at some point, she said really um, dramatic mistakes. Yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah, I'm not surprised that it was made up because and, it's amazing. As quickly as it was implemented, it yeah. disappeared. And then there's a new um, Canadian studies and British study on ivermectin where they knew. They knew uh, ivermectin emails inside Public Health Agency of Canada. Uh, using also uh, studies from the British Medical Journal, said uh, talked about the efficacy, the dramatically great efficacy yeah. of ivermectin. Yeah. And they knew. This was all about profiteering. Yeah. This was all about Fauci. Yep. Uh, unbelievable when you think about it. it, it it's, it's incredible. And... Um, you know, and I want to take I want to take a listen to this guy too because he's talking about the climate aspect of things. That was the COVID. This is one about um, uh, the dirtiness of batteries. Let's take a listen. 
When we're talking about electric cars, the battery itself is not really recyclable, right? This is a nasty, for the environment, it's not really good, right? If you want to talk nasty, it's the chemical processes to melt rock to make the battery. You have to literally melt rock with chemicals. The problem with the battery is a very complicated machine. People think it's like a box of simple goo. It's not. It's a complicated machine with thousands of parts. It's a machine just like an engine. You know, a steel engine is basically made up of steel and a couple other metals. You could just take it, crush it, melt it, and recycle it pretty easily. The battery, you have to disassemble very carefully. If you Google up a picture of somebody trying to recycle a battery, they're wearing a hazmat suit. It takes half an hour, hours to recycle one battery. Then you have to figure out how to get all the chemicals separated. It's not easy. I wouldn't call it a nasty process. It's very difficult, very expensive. So the world's going to generate millions of tons, <laughs> millions of tons of waste batteries, which will be very expensive and very difficult to recycle. We're already on that path. When we're talking about <laughs> Think about that. That, you know, and the process of get mining for cobalt, completely inhumane. They have to pound rocks by hand. It's, it's an incredible thing. And the people that are in charge in these major cities, listen to Philadelphia. Crime is on the rise this Crime. year, and right now murders are up 3% from last year, putting them on pace to hit an all-time high. There's been a 7% increase in violent crimes compared to 2021, and property crimes have spiked this year by 32%. And you know what else has spiked? Inflation, Leonora. Yep, inflation has also spiked, and it's getting, it's getting worse all the time. From 1.7 to 8.3 right now. Yeah, that's 8. huge, 5. right? That's huge. Yeah. It's uh, it's absolutely incredible. Here's one more clip I wanted to play before we head out of Dodge. Um, KJP, Kareem John Briere, uh, migrants who illegally entered the U.S. deserve a lot better than being left in, on Martha's Vineyard. I don't they know. Deserve that sounds a being, little bit weird, doesn't it? They deserve better than being left on the streets of D.C. or being left in Martha's Vineyard. They deserve deserve a lot better than that. They deserve. How how out of touch can you possibly be uh, with that, Leonora? Yeah, you can't be that out of touch with that because, once again, we're talking about the same thing that we tell, come, come, come to our shores. And then when they arrive, it's not in my backyard. It's the same thing that keeps well, happening over and over well, again. Here it is. RNC Research puts this out. Joe Biden claims he was teaching before he ran for president in 2020. Really? Biden, Where was he teaching? Biden didn't teach a single class. He's lying. <laughs> I had no intention of running. I give you my word. I was teaching and I thought that was the best thing for me to do. No, Joe. You never taught. <laughs> where? Where Where did he teach? No, uh, I'd be curious. Let's find one example of Biden in the classroom. It's an absolute lie. Well, that brings us really to the end of our uh, show. I wanted to say one more thing. Uh, there's an article here. It says... Climate emergency not supported by data, say four leading Italian scientists. Huh? Oh, okay. All right. There They're you using go. it as a weapon, folks. Yeah, like uh, just like COVID, not supported by data. So I want to ask everybody to check out our new sponsor, tacticalcivics.com. Find out how you could actually do more in your own county by join, uh, setting up a chapter of Tactical Civics by going to tacticalcivics.com and learning more about what they're doing. It's a great organization. It came to me. It was recommended to me. Uh, you can email Scott at scottadamshow.com. I'll put you in touch with all three guys that I uh, have been working with on that. And uh, if you just email Scott at scottadamshow.com, I'll personally uh, open up a discussion 
to learn more about tacticalcivics.com. Be sure to check out MAGAPAC to find out how we're advancing America First policies and use Red State over at MyPillow.com. With that, my name's Scott Adams. My name is Leonor Corvetta. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Just to bury my kids right up to there.